Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So today we're going to talk about moms, and you know, it's, it's, um, we ought to be appreciating them every day of the year, but Fortunately, we do set aside one day that makes everybody stop and think. And, you know, there's so many things that, that we are very different in. God has made us all unique. But one of the things that we all have in common is that we all have a mom. Now, maybe your mom's not here today physically. Maybe she has gone on home to heaven. Uh, my mother-in-law has already made that journey to heaven. And so we know that she's up there rejoicing and looking down, you know, just uh, interested in the lives of her children and her grandchildren and, and what's going on with them spiritually. But we all have a mama. Now, you know, we're going to be talking about moms today, and, and you may sit there and be tempted to think, I don't sound like my mama. Well, you know, we're all learning. You know, we're all growing. You know, when there are times and situations where people don't grow up with the best of parenting, but that's not the way God intended it. But God intended that, that every woman have this, the attributes of a mother in her. You know, if you go back over to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, we're just going to start right there. Hallelujah. I do not guarantee you'll get out any earlier today than you would if pastor was preaching. So I'll make that disclaimer. Hallelujah. Verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. God was laying out a plan for the family right there. He created male and female. You know, and, and I honestly, you know, as you go on into chapter 2 where, where uh, God created woman, you know, it's interesting to me to think that God took a part. Man was a precious being to him. He created man in his image. And man was already precious. He formed him out of the dust of the earth. But I tell you, there's something unique about a woman. Unique about a woman. She wasn't made from the dust of the ground. God took something that was already precious to him, took a part of what was precious to him, and created a woman. Isn't that wonderful to know? That he had something uniquely, just divinely inspired in his creation of a woman. Hallelujah. Not the same. And we're not the same. Men and women are not the same, much to some people's, you know, dismay and their, you know, their disagreement on that today. Um, somebody told me, uh, a friend of ours lives in Canada, and um, he, he was telling us that in their school system up there, there are like, I don't know, 15 different categories when it asks for gender. And I'm going, what? And he goes, yeah, really, seriously. I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as God's concerned, there's only two. Just the two. But God took woman out of man because man was precious. And I like to think that God made woman even more precious. He took that bone of that man. He fashioned a woman. And when he made man and he made woman, he decided to put his characteristics and his nature in each of us. But there are things that he divinely distributed in greater measure in each one of us. As male 
and as female. And for for a woman, he's imparted so much to us that causes us to be that nurturing and caring person that is required to be a mother. So today, I want you to know that if you're a woman, those attributes are in you. Divinely placed, divinely ordained, divinely instigated in your life to be a blessing wherever you go. You know, today, you know, we talk about mothers, and I, and I know there are times when, when you when you find somebody maybe who's not become a mother or for one reason or for another, and, and I want to tell you, you have an opportunity to mother somebody. You may not have physically given birth to a, to a child, but I'm telling you what, there are so many places and so many parts of our lives where we go where we can have that divine influence of a mother to someone who does not have one or who needs it. You know, if you're a teacher, for instance, you have, you have a unique opportunity to sow into the lives of children and be a surrogate mom, so to speak, for them. When you go into the workplace, you may find yourself surrounded by coworkers who don't have the kind of family life maybe that you came from, that you, that you understand God wanted them to have. But you can become that to them. You can become a mom to them. There are so many of you. I mean, I'm thinking about Mary Hicks when she worked at the credit union for a lot of years. They called her Mama Mary because she, she was always acting like a mama to, to some of those that were working with her that were younger. Listen, there are times when you need a mama's help, when you need a mama's prayer, where you need a mama's direction, where you need a mama's wisdom. And maybe yours doesn't have, maybe your physical, your natural mom doesn't have it, but God has put somebody in their lives that can. And so today I'm talking to you as well as to the ones who actually bore a child. There are moms, stepmoms, foster moms. There are all kinds of moms. But you can be that mom in the workplace. You can be that mom, you know, in places where you go where there are children who desperately need help. Because God has put it in you. Don't squash it. Don't put it down. Don't neglect it just because I didn't give birth to this person. Use it. God put it in in you for you to use it to help somebody. And so as we talk about this today, I want you to think in that that context. Every one of you here, if you're an adult woman, if you're of childbearing age, you have the mother capabilities and mother attributes in you that God wants you to find a place to use, an outlet to use that for someone else. Hallelujah. it's, it's wonderful to see that God's nature is in us. It's wonderful to know that God's put his, that everything about us that makes us a mom came from God. We are just here to demonstrate his character, to demonstrate his nature, to show the world the traits that, that, are, that belong to him that he's allowed us to have. So that we can let everybody know, this, this, is, this is what God's like. Sometimes we tend to look at God as just God the Father, and we want to just relate to him that way. But he's the, he's the best mama around. He really is. Without, me and, without, without him, you and I would not be what we are. And so that goes, all goes back to that. But you know what? Mamas are important. No matter how old you are, mamas are still important. You know, I, I looked back today in, in this morning in Genesis, in chapter 24 of Genesis, and after uh, Sarah had died, and uh, she'd been gone for a while when Abraham sent his servant out to go look for a wife for Isaac. And uh, it's interesting. Go with me, and if you're in Genesis, still just go on over to, to chapter 24. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, 
Abraham had sent his servant to go find a wife for Isaac out of his own people. You know, Sarah wasn't there to help find the right girl. You know, and I can tell you what, mamas, you better be really on your toes when it comes to the spouse for your child. You know, she wasn't there, but Abraham had some specific instruction from the Lord about what kind of a wife that Isaac was to have, and it was from a wife from among Abraham's own people. Not from the place that they were in, the people they were surrounded by, not to take a wife from there. So he went out, and he came back with Rebecca. And I'm telling you what, Isaac, as soon as he set eyes on her, he loved her. Tells me it was the right choice. You know, it was divinely inspired of God, and, and he, the servant brought back the right woman for him because God went ahead, prepared that girl for Isaac. But here in the latter part of verse 67 of chapter 24, uh, it said, he was talking about how Isaac took Rebekah into Sarah's tent. She became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I'm telling you what, there is comfort available even if your mom has gone down to heaven. But what I really got out of that is no matter how old we are, no matter, no matter where we find ourselves in life, mama is awfully important. Awfully important. You know, on the battlefields during the world wars and all wars in general, a man was severely, fatally injured. They would hear him calling for his mom. Calling for his mom. Because that's where he knew his comfort was. That's where he knew his protection was. His, his mama, he wanted somebody to wrap him up in her, in her arms and just say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And we find ourselves always wanting to, to please our mom, to, to do for her, to just, you know, she's important to us. And so today I want to talk to you about some attributes about moms. And number one, these are all attributes that are the same as God because that's who we are. Is creatures created by him, fashioned by him, ordained by him. And in, in the very first thing that I noticed about God is that he's a giver. And that's what moms are. They're givers. You know, as you, as you carry a child, your, your body is giving the nutrients and the life to that child that they need. Go with me to Proverbs 31. You know, you can't have Mother's Day without Proverbs 31. I'm telling you. It's, a, it's amazing. Hallelujah. This Proverbs 31 woman, she puts, she, she, she puts a standard out there. Hallelujah. Let's just start in verse 10 and read it. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Now, before I go any further, I want, you, I want to back up to, to the very first chapter, or very first verse of this chapter. And uh, it starts off by saying, the words of King Lemuel... The prophecy that his mother taught him. His mother. His mother taught him what to look for in a woman. His mother taught him what, what, a, what a woman of God ought to look like and what, how she ought to conduct herself. It goes on here. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maids. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her 
candle goes not out by night. She lays her hand to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when she sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells it and delivers girls into the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household. And eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Listen, this is a woman who is a hard worker. And no woman who is a hard worker can ever accomplish anything without being a tremendous giver. You give of your time, you give of your resources, you give of your strength, you give of your wisdom, you give of everything that is a part of you. Everything goes in to giving to make the life and the well-being of that family safe and secure and prosperous. She gives and gives and gives and gives. She'll give her child the, the last piece of pie. Today, I want to warn you, we're going to give you candy. You do not have to share. I promise you. you, I give you permission to not share today. Hallelujah. But a a mom will sacrifice everything to give to her child, to to make sure that her child is taken care of, to make sure that they're well supplied. How many of us have sacrificed over the years so that our children could have something that they either needed or even sometimes that they just wanted? We're willing to do without what we would like, and even what we would need to make sure that they are well supplied in those things. It sounds just like God to me. God gave the most precious thing he had. And that's what moms do. We, we give of ourselves. You know, in the same way, we give. Jesus is part of God. He gave him himself. It was his son, yes, but it was part of him. And so as moms, we're the givers, We're the ones who give and give and give and give and give. Is it nice to say thank you every so often? Yeah, but it's not necessary. We don't do it for thanks. We do it because our heart is to see that child, that home blessed, to see it prosperous, to see it go forward like it ought to in a successful way. Number two, she's a protector. You know, you always want to keep your child safe. It doesn't matter how old they are. Thank you, my darling child. Yes. Yes, I always want to know he's made, I'm to make sure he drives and he arrives safely. He doesn't speed as much as he used to, thank goodness. <laughs> but I just want to know, he, I, just want, I don't think he speeds at all. In fact, mama's the one with the heavy foot these days, you know. Uh, so, but I always like to know he got there, you know. I'm just, okay, you arrived, you know. That's okay. But I'm telling you what. Mamas can be so protective that you better not cross them. Mm-hmm. As mamas, we should get so angry, you know, when the enemy attacks our children that we give him no quarter, that we don't put up with that, we don't allow that, that we stand in the gap if we need to. You know, I think of a mama bear. I mean, you do not, you cross mama bear when those babies are around. You, you don't do that. I saw a video the, just the other day of somewhere. Uh, I don't know. It was on the news station or something. With these people had gotten out of 
out of a vehicle in Alaska, and there was two little brown bears right there at the road. You know, they were all taking pictures of it, and a ranger came up and, and was telling people, get in your vehicle, get in your vehicle, get in your vehicle. Mama is only about 40 feet away, and she's watching. She's foraging, but she's watching. And what the ranger said was, these people don't seem to realize that she could be on him in five seconds. Listen, the devil needs to know, you start messing with my babies, I'll be on you in five seconds. Don't, don't you try that. I'll be on you. We are fiercely protective. You know, and we provide a place where our children always will feel safe. And when they need us, listen, when, when my kids were little and as they got older, if they ever got hurt, who do they run to? Mama. Daddy's there and going, what, am I a piece of, you know, what, 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 I can do this. No, they want their mama. You know, when they're hurting, they want mama. You know, that's just the way it is. One of my favorite pictures um, I can remember of, of PG is, is one, I don't know, it was a, I don't even know exactly when it was. He was probably all about mm, 12 to 14 months, something like that. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and I'm holding him, and he's just, he, he was such a snuggle bunny. He really was. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. He's got his thumb in his mouth, and he's just hanging on to mama. He's just so content. You know, that to me is one of my favorite pictures of him. Just, he just, he just safe. He's happy. He's content. He's got his mama and his thumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, it's, it's a terrible thing to give me the pulpit. <laughs> but you know, God feels the same way. No matter how old we get, he wants to protect us. He wants to help us. And sadly to say, as our children are grown, we can't always protect them from things because of situations they get themselves into. But our heart yearns to, to be there for them and to, and to help soothe away the hurt, to help make the pain go away, to help make the situation better. Even Jesus said over in... in uh, I think it's uh, Matthew twenty three thirty seven. He looked at Jerusalem. And he said, "Just as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, yeah, I would have gathered you, but you would not." There's a there's a sorrow in mom's heart when she can't. There's a situation that arises in her child's life that she can't really do much about. You know, Jesus said, I, I would have gathered you and protected you and cared for you, but you would not. That's a mother's heart. I mean, it's, it's devastating. It's heartbreaking when you just figure, feel like you cannot do anything else to help them because of what they've, maybe with the situation that they're in. For Jerusalem, it was a choice. And, you know, we all know that there are, there are times in, in adult children's lives where they make choices that are not the kind of choices God would have had them make. And because of that, they may suffer some consequences that mama can't help you get out of. But mamas, do, mamas don't ever give up. And that's, that's our next one is she's unconditional in her love. Absolutely always unconditional. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3, this is an example of God. It says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Mamas don't stop loving their children. Even if they're in heaven, they don't stop loving you. They're interested in your well-being, your spiritual well-being. They're still, they still care <clears throat> what is happening in your lives. And a pastor was teaching on, on family a number of years ago, and he made this statement, and I think it's so true. At the time I went, oh, man, that kind of stinks. But he said this, and it's true. You will, as a mother, you will always, as a parent, really, you will always love your children more than they love you. 
Isn't that, that's true. But you see, it needs to be that way because from generation to generation, as the generation moves on, this set of parents will love their children more. And then this set of parents will, will love their children. It's a generational thing. It keeps going and going and going. You will always love them. That's why you can be so fiercely protective. That's why you can always care. That's why you can always love, no matter what. Even murderers on death row, their mamas love them. Are they happy with the choices they've made? Are they proud of them? No, they're not, but that's still my baby. I don't care how old they are, that's still my baby. I still love this child. I still love them, no matter what they've done. I still love them. Isn't that a picture of God? Who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from his love, except, you, except by you removing yourself to a different place. God never changes. He will always love you. Will he be always be pleased? No. Will he always be happy with your choices? No. But will he always love you? Absolutely and unconditionally, yes. He will always love you. Glory to God. And then there's something we've already talked about. He's a comforter. Moms are comforters. That's just just built into us. Now, I know my children didn't always think that I was being comforting when they would fall down. Instead of getting in there and just, you know, oh, my poor baby, oh, you poor thing. I would look at him and say, you going to be all right? Let's get up, let's go. But you see, in doing that, it helped them. Was I concerned at times and didn't want them to know? Yeah. There were some things they did. I was like, okay, let's not, let's not show any anxiety here, you know, about what might, might be a, a consequence of this. Um, I remember, I think my oldest one time was running through. You know how kids do. They're running through the house, and he's about, I don't know, two and a half, something like that. And he, and he just, the, the feet kind of got in the way. You know how that goes. The feet got in the way, and he stumbled, and he tripped, and he hit a, a corner of a doorway right here. And as fast as you could blink an eye, suddenly there's a big goose egg right there. And, of course, I, I want, you know, the momentary, you know, temptation is to panic. But I didn't, you all right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay, let's go put some ice on it. Okay, let's go do it. You know, keep calm. You know, stay, stay, stay out of panic. But, of course, the woman went right immediately and called the doctor's office saying, can you take a look at this? You know, but you know what? There's still comfort in that. Mama's still there. Mama's going to take care of it if anything's going wrong. Mama's going to help. So we're comforters, you know. God is a great comforter. And in the New Testament, we found that he sent us a comforter. If you look over in John 16, the comforter will be there. You know, and that's what, and physically, we're that comforter for our children. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit is that comforter for them. But you know what? That's just something that comes with the territory. We're always here. You're always there to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. No matter what's going on in your child's life, at what age, no matter what age, you're always there to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We can work through this. You know, I have, we can do this. You know, I can help you. you. You'll have to make the choices, but but I'll be here for you, whatever you need. We're always there to give that word of comfort. Hallelujah. Moms are adaptable. Thank you, Jesus. When plan A goes down the highway, we've always got plan B. You know, that's that's why, you know, Moms are in charge mostly of children. It's because there's always plan A out the window with where kids are concerned. So we always just kind of go, okay, shift. 
Plan B. You know, plan B don't work, we shift. Plan C. You know, there's always a way. You see, God's that way. You know, when we mess up in life, I mean, God's got a plan for our lives. I'll get a little ahead of myself. God's got a plan for our lives. But do we always successfully follow every step of the plan? No. When we don't, God's got plan B. He's got plan C. He's got plan D. He's got plan E. There is nothing you can mess up in your life that God does not have an alternate plan for to get you back on track. And see, moms are adaptable just like God. They can go from, okay, okay, that didn't work. Let's do this. Okay, that's, okay, that's out the window. Now let's go do this. Okay, we, we can do this. We, and see, that's what God's always saying to you. No matter what the mistakes, no matter what the deviation from the plan, he's always got another plan. He's always got another way. He's got another, we can call it a detour sometime. Okay, you want to take this detour? Fine, we can get you back on track. And that's moms. They can always get you back on track. You may not like it, but they can get you back on track. Hallelujah. But I want to get down to the last two that I wanted to talk about today that to me are the most important thing. As as a mom, I am number one, am a visionary. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that I can look at my child And I see the potential in them. Every person who's ever been born, from the moment they were conceived, God instituted a plan and a purpose and a destiny for their lives. From the moment of conception, the plan was put into motion. And see, moms can see that in their children. They may not always know it right up front, but you know, there are some examples in the Bible where we see that moms were told just when they were, before they were even pregnant about a child and their future and their destiny. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And see, that's what God does. As soon as a child is conceived, he's already got the plan. Already got the plan. In Exodus 2, 2, Moses' mother took one look at him when he was born. And she said, it says that she saw that he was a goodly child. That's the old King James. Saw that he was a goodly child. But in my margin of my Bible, I wrote something down that I think is really telling. That's translated in another place that he had a destiny on him. As soon as you lay eyes on that child, that first moment... You know, you ought to see a destiny on that child. You know, for, for some of us, you know, and what I've talked about earlier is, is being a mama figure to other people in their lives. God can divinely show you something about that child, about that person. Could be an adult even. God can show you something about that person that is a, a divine destiny that you can help implement. In uh, Judges thirteen five. Manoah and his wife became the parents of Samson. And if you go, let's just go over there, Judges. Judges 13. Hallelujah. Verse 3, an angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now you are barren and bears not, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Isn't that wonderful news? I mean, you got some info ahead of time. 
Now, therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or any strong drink, and eat not any unclean, for lo, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child should be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like that countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, nor told me his, me his, him his name. And he said unto me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean, unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, come to us again and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. I find this passage so interesting to know that God, number one, foretold to these parents what was about to happen, that they they would conceive a child, this child would be a son, that he would be a deliverer of the people of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. They told him all that, but he gave them instruction. He specifically gave the mom instruction of how she was to conduct her life while she was carrying this child. And then they had the foresight to say, Lord, teach us what we shall do unto this child. I tell you what, as visionaries, we have to get to a place where we have to know that we have to depend on God for direction. You might look at a child and think, oh, my Lord, you know, what am I going to do with this child? I'm telling you, he's, he's, it's so hard. He's a difficult child. Listen, my oldest child was strong-willed. In fact, they, they both are, but, but Steve was particularly so. And, and he would do anything to get his way. If he, wanted, if he wanted to be, I mean, I remember when he was, I don't know, maybe not even a year old, and maybe around a year old. And, and I know where we were living at the time, so he had to be around that age. And uh, he, wanted, he just wanted me to come pick him up. Well, I was busy. I mean, he's in a playpen, which, um, do they make those today? Yeah, they think they do. They don't call them playpens. Uh, he was in this thing, and he had all his toys. He had everything. He, there, was, there was no need there, but I needed to be doing something else. So he just started screaming and screaming and screaming. And after a while, if I was in the back, he couldn't see me. He'd quiet down. As soon as he heard my footsteps, he would start again. And then he would get to the place where he was, where he was running out of steam. So he would claw his face to make himself keep crying. He was trying to win this battle. But you know, if there's one thing you learn as a parent is you always have to win. You have to win, not the child, you. You must win. Whatever it takes, you must win. And uh, so we, we, we finally worked that little thing out. You know, and he finally figured out that I'm not coming. You know, at this point, it's like, okay, this is what you want. This is what I want. One of us is going to win. I'm going to win. You know, you might as well live with it. You know, eventually he quietened down. You know, strong-willed child, you might look at that as like an issue, a problem. But listen, I see those kind of traits in a child as a wonderful thing when they're directed in the right place. And today, I can say, because of his strong-willed nature, I've never had to can be concerned about the choices he might make in life, whether they were godly or not godly. Has he made, you know, oh, everybody makes you know, mistakes as far as, okay, make a wrong choice about a, about a car or a house, you know, something silly. But, but as far as life choices, I've never had to be concerned one time that somebody else would influence him to make the decision that would not be the godly decision. So strong-willed is wonderful. But you have to have a vision 
When they're three and they're strong-willed, you have to have a vision. <laughs> you, ha- you have to be able to see clearly that this is, this is going to turn out to be a good, good thing. Hallelujah. If there's anything motherhood can be, it certainly can be frustrating. Hallelujah. But, you, but don't give up. Don't give up. Hallelujah. We have to recognize that, like I said before, that we need divine help. Never, never attempt to parent totally on your own. Never. You cannot do it in and of yourself. There are things that you won't know unless the Holy Spirit tells you. There is strength and grace that you won't have unless you ask for them. There are things that God wants you to do for them that you won't know unless you seek his direction. Moms have to get to the place where you have eyes in the back of your head, so to speak. I tell you what, that's where the Holy Ghost comes in. More times than one, you know, you know I've just had, had a witness about something with my children. Because the Holy Ghost said that. There are times when the Holy Ghost will give you direction to pray a specific way about an area of your child's life that they're struggling with that you don't know anything about. There are times when it seems like it's so overwhelming. I don't know how many times I've heard mama say, it feels like all I do is just spank them all day long. I feel like that's all I do. That's all I do. That's all I do. You got to have a vision. You got to have a vision. When they finally learn to listen and obey the first time, don't count to 10 with your child, please. I'm, my, my goal was, was obedience on the first request. First request. Why? Because it's important to them in later life that they learn to obey the voice of God the first time. And you are the one who is setting that in motion by the way, way you're doing things. And I'm getting ahead of myself again. Again, you know, you can talk about vision for, ch- for a child. If you look in the first chapter of Luke, you see Mary and Elizabeth both, who were both divinely uh, directed of God, given divine instruction, given divine plans that they had about the child they were about to, ha- to bear. But we look beyond what they look like now, little flesh balls. And we see what their future will hold. We see the men and the women of God that they will become. We look toward that day. We pray toward that day. We act toward that day. When we can turn us. Because you know our job is to raise them and let them go. To let them be successful in life on their own. Will they always have some kind of dependence on you? Yes. Mama pray for me. Daddy pray for me. You know, can you, can you give me some advice on this area? Yeah, they'll always come back to you. But they need to be people who are living independent lives, who can go forward on their own, making the kind of godly decisions that they need to make for them and for now their families. Last but not least, mamas are equippers. They're not enablers. Do you hear me? Mothers are equippers. They are not enablers. I, I know of a, a family that have two children, and one serves God, and one, it's a, life, it's a life that's messed up. And now both of them are grown well up in years, and, you know, one keeps making the same dumb mistake time after time after time after time. And parents don't help that 
when they keep bailing them out of those, those mistakes. You want to, because your heart is to comfort, because your heart is to help, because your heart is to not see your child suffer, it's hard when they're older, when they're adults, not to step in and clean up the mess that they've made. But you can't do that. All that does is enable them to keep going back and doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But you can't do that. You cannot enable them. It's essential that children be taught they be trained, they be directed. We have to prepare them for life and for what it means, the skills that they need to have to succeed in this life. But we can't afford to miss the spiritual aspect of it. It's not, if you only raise your child how to succeed in this life naturally, you have not done your job. The spiritual part of their life, to being successful in that, is the most important thing you can ever do for them. Proverbs, you know the scripture in Proverbs 22, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. To train them means to show them, to be an example of. You know, I go back to the tell, show, do theory. You tell them what to do when they're very little. You show them what to do as they get older. And then as they get into the teenage years, you begin to let them do some things while you watch and make sure that it's the correct thing to do. I love something that Kendra has said over the years about her girls. As they got into their teenage years, she said, I I began to let them make more and more decisions on their own. But when they didn't make the right decisions, I stepped back in. See, that's what a parent will do, is we will train them But the training starts the day they're born. The day they're born. You know, and we step up the training. You don't don't teach a child how to cook, you know, when they're five. Maybe some unusual children. I don't know. I've been watching Chop Junior lately. (laughs) I'm going, oh, my Lord. (laughs) We train them in the spiritual aspects. We train them and teach them and show them what it means to live a life full of God. We train them and show them and teach them how to pray. We train them and show them and teach them how to believe God when they have needs or wants in their lives. You know, you can, you can have a child who, I'd really like to have, I don't know what the latest gadgets are out there, but tell them, well, you know, why don't you believe God for that? Well, I'll agree with you. Let's get an agreement that, you, that, that God will supply that for you. you know, and you can watch their little faith grow. As young children, you can watch. And as they get older, you know, let them use their faith. Have them use their faith, you know, to to get the things in life that they want, the things that they need. You know, believing God for camp money or for a way to make camp money. I mean, my my boys did fun, did things that they, you know, I said, well, that's, that's, I'm going to leave that up to you to figure that out. And they believed God for odd jobs and different things to make money to do the things that they wanted to do. Listen, that's a great place to do that because right now, if, if it doesn't, if they don't learn it now, the consequences aren't that big. But what happens when they're adults and they need God and they need God to move in their lives. They need to be able to, to stand back and take a look at what they did when they were younger and say, the same God who provided that for me then will provide it for me now. He didn't do it to me, do it for me just because I was some little kid. He did it because I'm his child. He loves me. Those are the things that have to be taught and have to be learned. You know, over in Second Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy. He wrote, he said, I, I, I perceived the faith that was in your grandmother Lois first and then your mother. See, it went from generation to generation to generation. And he said, now I also perceive that it's in you. 
See, it's, we have the responsibility to put these kind of things in our children, to equip them for life. Hallelujah. Um, I think I might close early. How about that? I got a lot more to say, but, but I think you get the point. Here's a quote from somebody. It says, The mother, more than any other, affects the moral and spiritual part of the children's character. She is their constant companion and teacher in formative years. The child is ever imitating and assimilating the mother's nature. It's only afterwards in their lives that men gaze backward and behold how a mother's hand and heart shaped their destiny. But that only applies when that mother's heart belongs to God. It's, it's true on, on another level, you know, just, just the ordinary person. But I tell you what, a truly godly, spirit-filled woman of prayer and woman of the word will help shape her child's destiny. It's important that we realize early that, we ha- that it's, it's a prayer project from the moment they're conceived until the moment that we leave this earth. It's a prayer project. No matter how old they are, they will always need our prayers. They will always need our care, always need our advice, always need our comfort. Hallelujah. You know, just like Samuel's mother said, she said, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. We recognize that this child is our child, but he really belongs to God first. That child's been lent to us for a particular span of time. And God has entrusted us with the the duty and the responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is our job. That is our destiny. You know, there is more to life than just being a mother. Yes, there is. But there, I, I, I can't go back and stress to you enough that even, even some of you who find yourself in workplaces, in school situations, any, anywhere somebody is needing you to speak into their lives because they may not have anybody else who can do it. You may not be the physical mother, but you can be the spiritual mom of anybody. They can look to you as somebody who changed their lives. You may only have them for a short amount of time. I, I look back at a, at a teacher that I had in Sunday school when I was in my early teens, maybe 12, 13 years old, and she affected my life greatly. See, that's what we need to do is take that opportunity to affect somebody's life, to have a lasting impact on them. Hallelujah. I uh, just want to read something else to you, a little, something a little lighthearted here, hallelujah. Tony Cook is somebody who's always got some great quotes and things he puts up. <clears throat> but uh, he put this one, uh, made it available this morning on his website. So I wanted to talk to you about the meanest mother in the world. Now, PG would say it's his. I have been called the mother of Hitler. Huh? He did not say that, No. Years ago, when, when our, our kids, teenagers around here were going to Camp Decision, I did security for like five years. I was head of security. Now, y'all know how much they got away with during that five years, right? Yeah. And that's why this one kid was sitting down one day as I was passing on my golf cart. And PG's at camp. Were you a camper still or were you a, um, a worker? You were... You, he was a worker, and uh, this kid was complaining about this lady who was driving by on that golf cart. Man, she's so mean. She's like the mother of Hitler. And he said, 
that is my mom. (laughs) So let me leave you with this. The meanest mother in the world. We had the meanest mother in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess our mother fixed us a dinner that was different than other kids had too. Mother insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You should do that. You would think we were convicts in a prison. She had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. She insisted that if we said we would be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. Is that not right, PG? When I said you be home at 10, I meant 10. I didn't mean screeching the driveway at 10 because then I wouldn't know how it took, how, what effort it took you to get there, so give me the keys. Yeah, that's what we did. Uh, we were ashamed to admit it, but she had the nerve to break the child labor laws but making us work. She, we had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think she would lay awake at night thinking more things for us to do. That's why you have kids. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing by the truth. And the Holy Ghost will tell on you if they don't. Hallelujah. See, I like my little interjections here. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds. And our life was really tough. She wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so she could meet them. While everyone else could date when we missed out, when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait until we were 16. I suggest 18. Because of our mother, we missed out on a lot of other things that other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with a friend on Saturdays. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents just like our mom was. The world just doesn't have enough mean moms anymore. Amen. Hallelujah. Moms, I salute you today. You have an incredible job. It may be tough at times, but the grace of God is there to get you through it, to get you over, to make you victorious, and to help you turn out children who are wonderful, God-fearing, God-loving, spirit-filled, divine destiny walking in children. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.